Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is a Players Point production. It's sponsored by Prince Associates, the company you can trust for all your insurance needs, and the law firm of Decalator Cohen in DePrisco, specialist in line-of-duty accidents. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. For those of you that are just tuning in, our first guest tonight was part of the dynasty that was the New York Islanders. He won four Stanley Cups in a row, 1980 to 1983. He was a huge part of the Islanders' success as he was one of the greatest right wings of the day. He was inducted into the National League Hockey League Hall of Fame in 1991. He's still one of only player in NHL history to, to score two Stanley Cup winning goals in 1982 and 1983. In 1998, he was ranked number 20 on the Hockey News list of 100 greatest hockey players. He played 10 seasons, all with the New York Islanders, but he is the only NHL player to have scored more than 50 goals in nine consecutive seasons. His number 22 has had its home in the rafters at Nassau Coliseum since it was retired in 1992. We're hoping that it gets to stay there in Nassau for years yeah. to come. Which we'll talk about. It's our pleasure to welcome Islander legend Michael Dean Bossy to Sports Talk New York. So welcome, Mike. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, you started your junior hockey career in the Quebec Major Junior League at the age of 15, playing four games at the age of 15 for the Laval National. At age 16, you led the team in scoring and do so the following three seasons as never scoring less than 70 goals. What do you remember most about those amazing seasons you had for Laval? Oh boy! Well, uh, as I get older, I, I remember less and less. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, you know, remember. I, I think probably the thing I remember the most is uh, not playing on 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 such a good hockey team. Um, you know, we uh, made it to the playoffs. I think two of the four years that I that I played, uh, and uh, never had much success in, in playoffs, but uh, had. Uh, had a lot of personal success uh, with uh, with with Laval, and uh, obviously that um, you know helped me uh, get drafted by the New York Islanders and and uh, you know start my professional career. It's interesting because if you look at that '77 draft, you have to wonder what most of the scouts were thinking. A lot of serviceable, good NHL players were taken with the 14 picks ahead of you, but if you look at just the non-defensemen drafted out of the queue ahead of you. You know, you scratch your head, Vancouver takes Jared Gillis at four, and the Rangers take Lucien Deblois at number eight. Both of them had nice numbers, but they didn't compare to you at all in the same league. Uh, were you surprised at that? And what do you think that the New York Islanders scouts saw in you that the Rangers and, and Vancouver didn't? Well, I, I think you have to go back, uh, you know, to the 70s to sort of understand why uh, they they picked those guys and, and why I... Uh, uh, you know, was was left until the 15th pick. You know, uh, I, I think physical play was uh, was was a dominating factor back in those days, and and defensive play also was was a dominating factor. And uh, I, I I think the teams that drafted before the Islanders just didn't trust me, uh, both physically and and uh, defensively. And and uh, you know, I've always said since then that uh, you know I played the way I did in junior because that's how they wanted me to play. Uh, and uh, when I got to the Islanders, uh, you know the the defense was uh, uh, defensive play was was uh, much more strict than it was in uh, in uh, in Laval, and I adapted to that and and uh, sort of played within the system uh, of of the team. Um, 
So I, I you know, I basically think, uh, uh, you know, or know for a fact that, uh, that that was the reason that I was only drafted 15th. But on the other hand, the Islanders were looking for a goal scorer back then, and uh, you know, they had a they had a very good team, a uh, very good defensive team, and and. Uh, their thinking was that uh, you know they were missing someone who was uh, who was explosive and and who could score goals and and took a chance that I was going to be the guy. Did you feel any sort of pressure coming in where you were supposed to be the the goal scorer, the guy who was going to sort of maybe bring them over the top by being the guy who put the puck in the net? Well, you know, I I I, I always put a lot of pressure on myself. So did I put a lot of pressure on myself? Yes. Uh, I, I think everyone knows that the media uh, in New York, as far as hockey is concerned, is is not the uh, the the most uh, demanding, um, and even less so, a lot less so back uh, back when I made the jump to uh, to Long Island. So I can't really say that I that I felt a lot of pressure from from the media in New York. Uh, I, I did feel uh, when I got to the team that that a lot of eyeballs uh, from uh, existing players uh, were on me, uh, sort of saying, "Okay, who's this? Who's this goal scorer from from Laval?" But I think also, you know, what they were what they were expecting and what they were um, sort of hoping was that I was going to be a, a, a team player and, and not, you know, just concentrate uh, solely on on scoring goals. So uh, the the pressure that I felt was. Was for me to, to to play the kind of system that uh, that the New York Islanders played at that point. It's interesting to note when you say that you didn't really feel the pressure. And, and if I remember correctly, and and you have to take this because, and I'm going to come clean with you. I, I'm you know 51 years old, huge Ranger fan who lived on Long Island my whole life. So you guys caused me a lot of emotional you know damage that I'm I'm still in years of therapy getting over. But, but if I remember correctly, when you came into the league. You predicted you would score fifty goals in your rookie season, right? Well, I I I I didn't predict it uh, publicly. I I had said to Bill Torrey during negotiations that I thought I could score fifty goals uh, my my first year. But uh, I, again, you know, please remember that uh, you know when you're when you're negotiating a, <laughs> a, an NHL contract from a a fifteenth uh, draft. Uh, spot, uh, you know, you have to come. You have to be pretty creative and, and pretty inventive, and in, in uh, uh, you know, uh, talking to your general manager and, and uh, expressing what you think you could do with the team to try and get a little more money uh, back then. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I uh, like you mentioned before, I, I averaged over seventy goals uh, in in my career. Uh, with uh, with my junior team and and I had a lot of confidence in my abilities to 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 go out there and score goals and you know when I said it to Bill it was a, it was a, a little tongue in cheek because uh, I I I was negotiating at the time but uh, again you know knowing that I had a lot of confidence I thought I could score goals that I think at that point when I said it I could I could score 50 goals probably not. Uh, you know, as Bill mentioned to me when I said it, he said, uh, "You know, don't you think you should make the team first before thinking about <laughs> scoring 50 goals?" Which was which was quite funny and and uh, you know quite quite true a, a statement. But um, you know, uh, so things things started off on the right foot with the team and and uh, you know went went well from there. You make good on that promise, basically scoring then record 53 goals as a rookie in the 77-78 season. You win the Calder Cup for Rookie of the Year. You're named second-team All-Star. 
What do you remember most about your rookie season, and what was the transition? We talk about this so much, with a, whether it be a, a major league baseball player or a football player coming out of college, going into the NFL, a, a major leaguer coming from the minor leagues going. What was the transition for you out of the queue into the NHL? Well, you know, the, the transition was, uh, I, I would have to say, fairly easy. And uh, I remember being being criticized for coming out at one point and saying that it was easier to play in the NHL than it was in junior hockey. But people didn't really realize at the time, you know, where I'd come from. I'd come from uh, uh, Laval, a team that was uh, that was not a, a very physical hockey team. And, and uh, you know, I took a lot of abuses, you know, being a goal scorer in in uh, in the Quebec League, and um, you know, going to the Islanders, I, I finally, uh, you know, had had uh, had a physical hockey team that I that I played with, and and had guys who who were watching my back, and and uh, you know, I knew I could go out there and and uh, you know, perform and and play to my abilities without you know looking over my back all the time to see who was uh, who was coming to take me out of the game, so. You know that made uh, that made the transition a lot easier. I also got married uh, before I went to the island, so uh, you know being able to 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 be with my wife and and um, you know have a situation that was uh, that that was very familiar to me uh, away from the ice uh, helped a lot. Uh, also, uh, you know Brian Trotsky, uh befriended me, uh, you know right from the uh, right from the get go at, at training camp that year and. Uh, that was, uh, you know, very comforting, uh, you know, knowing that I had one of the veterans uh, who was highly respected on the team, uh, you know, as, uh, as, as someone who had my back uh, at that time also. So I'd probably say those three things were, were, were what made, you know, the transition from junior to, uh, to the Islanders uh, very easy for me. You mentioned a couple of the teammates, which is interesting because you join a team that has those major pieces in place for the dynasty years of the Islanders that are, that are coming up. All of them in their early 20s. Guys like, at that point, a 21-year-old Brian Trottier, a 23-year-old Denny Potvin, a 23-year-old Clark Gillies, and a 24-year-old Bob Nystrom. You look at all that young talent, and you see that now in today's NHL. The, the thing I really would like to know, you know, from your perspective, is how important was Al Arbor to the shaping of all these young men into what they would become as NHL players. And do you think that things might have been different for that core group of Islanders had there been a different coach in place? W- would history still have been the same without Al Arbor? Uh, you know, that's, uh, I, I, I hate to answer hypothetical questions because, uh, you know, you, you, you just never know. The, the only thing I know for sure is that... Uh, Al was uh, he 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 was a pillar for 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 all of the uh, the guys on the team, uh, whether they be young or old. And Al was was very demanding. He uh, insisted that everyone play uh, the system that he had put in place uh, for for the team to play. And it didn't matter if you were uh, Mike Bossy, a rookie, a rookie, or or Eddie Westfall, who was with the team when uh, when when I first came. Uh, you know, you you played the way that Al. Uh, designed uh, for for the Islanders to play, and and uh, there were no two ways about it. Um, you know, I saw players come and go. Uh, uh, with my time with the Islanders, uh, when Al was coaching, and uh, it, uh, it 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 was his way, and and you know his way uh, won us four Stanley Cups in a row. So, you know, uh, 
you were a little foolish if if you didn't agree with with Al. I mean, you could discuss with him certain points, and and Al was uh, was always willing to to sit down and have a conversation with you. But uh, he he managed and 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 guided uh, us us young guys, uh, you know, through the through the beginnings of our career extremely well, and and. Uh, I always felt that he got the best out of uh, out of all the players, and and again, it didn't matter if you're one of the stars or or uh, you know a, a, a third liner or, or fourth liner. You know, Al treated everybody the same way. It's interesting that you say that because you take a look at those teams, and there have been so many debates. You you, you speak to Islander fans, and you go, all right, who was the heart and soul of that dynasty team? And it ranges from yourself to Trotz to to, to Bob Nystrom to Billy Smith. It, you know. But because the opinion is so wide and varied, tells it tells you that this tr- truly was a team. So I guess the question for you is that if you had to pick the one teammate of that dynasty era who epitomized what an Islander was and is, who would it be? Boy, that's 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 a tough question. And, and uh, again, I, I would go back to what you said. I could probably name... Um, you know, every every one of those players. I mean, you know, everyone knows that there were 16 players who won the four Stanley Cups. And, you know, I could go through those 16 guys and, and name each one of them, um, you know, as someone who epitomized what we were for their particular and their individual strengths as uh, as as player. You know, like I said, if, if there's one thing that, um, you know, if there's one one thing that stayed true uh, when when we started uh, when we started winning was that we we played as a team, we won as a team, we lost as a team, and uh, you know although there were there were times when there were um, individuals who stood out more than others, uh, there was never a win without the contribution of of, uh, of everybody on that team. So you know whether it be Ken Morrow or or Dave Lanchman or uh, uh, you know. Billy Smith or Anders Kalor, Lauren Henning, uh, you know, Tonelli, Nystrom, uh, Bob Bourne. I mean, everyone had their their shining moment. I think um, on on that team, and and um, you know, that's that's why we were great. Now, again, you take a look at that team, and I know this is so difficult to to try and, and figure out. But what makes that group so special that they're able to buy into that team concept? And everyone put the team ahead of themselves. There's so many stars on that team, but it's because of the framework of the way in which they operated that they were so successful. You know, how do you buy into that? Not one year, not two years, but each year. You know, and really, those teams got better and better. They were unbeatable. They were a dynasty. What is the main ingredient in that locker room that made it such a special team? Well, I, I think it, it was the individuals uh, on on the team, uh, you know. And, and you said it before, uh, you know. We we uh, we put the team before before ourselves, and 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 that's not to say that, you know, there we we weren't interested in our personal statistics, or we didn't want to score, or we didn't want to get assists, or we didn't want to play the power play, or or penalty kill, or or have important roles on the team. Uh, but it was understanding, um, you know, as a group and as individuals that, uh, you know, being the best out there at our particular position 
was was helping the team be the best that it could be, and and therefore, you know, everyone sort of uh, pitched in and 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 made sure that whatever role that they had on the team that they were uh, they were the, they were the best that they could be at it. And you know, when you have everyone who has a desire to win and everyone who has a desire to be the best at, at what their role is and and what they're doing out there, well, then collectively you're going to have uh, you're going to have success. Now, also the other thing that. In our lifetime, AJ and I, you know, there are certain numbers that people think are unattainable. One of them still, to this day, I think, is the one, because it's so funny, because in, our, in my lifetime, I figured no one ever beat, you know, Babe Ruth's record, then Henry Aaron's record, okay? No one would ever beat Lou Gehrig's consecutive, you know, games played, and that's been broken. No one, and to this day, no one still has broken the 56-game hitting streak of Joe DiMaggio. But one of the ones that was the big one in hockey in our lifetime was the 50 and 50. Um, you actually chased that feat, which stood unobtainable for 36 years. And that's, as we said, the elusive Maurice Richard's 50 and 50. Uh, at that point, it was hyped by the hockey press as you and Charlie Simmer of, of the Kings in an unofficial competition to see who would accomplish that feat first. Both of you were still in the hunt going into the 50th game. Simmer had 46, and you came into that game at 48. Simmer got a hat trick that brought his total to 49, and, and making it dramatic, you basically were held scoreless for much of the game, found the net twice within the last five minutes for the 50th and 50. Um, you had the fact that Maurice Richard was on hand to congratulate you for that accomplishment. What do you remember most about the chase, and in particular, Game 50? Well, I, I remember I put, putting a lot of pressure on myself because around the 40th game or 41st, 42nd, I'd mentioned that uh, I, I wanted to get 50 and 50, and, and uh, you know I I'd sort of set a goal for myself before the season started to, uh, to get 50 and 50. So you know, getting down to the last game, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people don't remember I didn't score in game 48 and 49, so uh, went into the last game with uh, with having to get two goals, and went into the last five minutes without with, with having to get two goals. But you know, I I think you know aside from the fact that I scored the goals and and was able to achieve the fifty and fifty, um, it was uh, again the 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 help of my teammates and and uh, you know everyone um, everyone pitching in and and everyone trying to do everything they can for me to uh, to to get the fiftieth goal. Um, you know, and, and no doubt I I look back at that and you know feel. Uh, that that you know was was a great accomplishment for me at the time. I guess we scored fifty eight and thirty nine the year <laughs> after. So I mean, it yeah. sort of uh, sort of takes away the the, the pizzazz of, uh, of of what that was. But uh, you know, it, yeah, I, it it still accomplished something that hadn't been done in thirty six years. So it was pretty exciting at the moment. Absolutely. You know, Boston Bruin fans have the Bobby Orr goal. The Ranger fans have the Mato 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 goal. I think for the Islanders, so many of your goals and Bobby Nystrom's goal and J.P. Parisi goals are defining moments in franchise history. But for me, maybe the signature Mike Bossy goal was in the 82 Stanley Cup Finals against the Vancouver Canucks when you're sent flying by a check by Tiger Williams. And while you're in the air, parallel to the ice, somehow you manage to hook the puck with your stick and score. Is that the most memorable goal for you, or are there others that stand out more? Well, it's certainly my my favorite all-time 
most spectacular goal. Uh, no, no doubt about that. Uh, I, I just, I just wish that video would have been a lot better back then, <laughs> so we'd be able to see it today. But it seems to be, it seems to have been lost in, uh, seems to have been lost in the archives somewhere, where I, I don't see it come out very much as, as a spectacular, a spectacular goal. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, not, not as far as Islander fans are concerned, because they, they talk to me and still talk to me a lot <laughs> yeah. about it. But uh, no, I mean that's 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 by uh, by far my my favorite uh, goal as as far as again as far as is something that I did that was spectacular. Now during your career, you're also noted for your clean pay play, never resorting to fighting, winning the Lady Bing for gentlemanly play three times in '83, '84, and '86. You're also one of the first players to speak out against violence on the ice. You look at the game now and the amount of headshots that the NHL is really trying to legislate out. Um, what do you think has changed over the course of time that it seems like players aren't really respecting each other or the, the way that players used to enforce the game themselves has been taken out due to rule changes? But if you were playing now, do you think you would be as outspoken? And what, what do you think needs to be said by a player who's playing now? To try and change the, the the culture of the headhunters. Well, you know, I, I I think that someone 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 has to stand up and and uh, you know uh, just uh, come out and 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 say, guys, look what we're doing to each other here. Um, you know, I'd I'd really like to see statistics um, of um, of concussions. Um, since the lockout, since they changed the rules uh, with the no no obstruction and no hooking and holding, uh, that has made the game uh, a lot faster. Uh, just because there's 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 no obstruction anymore on the ice, so everyone's uh, skating at full speed uh, all the time, uh, and it really leaves uh, players uh, unprotected to uh, uh, blind shots and and to you know hits from. From behind or from the side, uh, right up, right up against the boards. So, you know, it, I think it's time for people to, I, you know, it, the NHL is the NHL is great. The NHL is uh, is 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 fast paced, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's high tempo, and uh, you know, they're they're great plays. But I I think someone should really take the time and say, listen, take ten years before the the, the lockout, and then take. The time from the lockout till now, and uh, you know, count the registered uh, concussions. And I would bet uh, bet my bippy, as they used to say on on laughing, that uh, you know the uh, the headshots uh, or the concussions uh, since the rule changes. Uh, there's there's uh, a, a lot more than there than there used to be. Well, and that's because people were sensitized to look for concussions. Well, they're they're more actually happening. Well, I, I, I think, well, one, I think that, yes, I don't know when they started looking into concussions uh, as, as, as much as they did, uh, and I'm sure they did, you know, uh, eight, ten years before the lockout, but um, they're looking at it a lot more now, which is, which is, which is, which is good for the game and good for the athletes uh, that, that play it, but I really think that uh, you know because of the because of the, the, the high tempo and fast pace of the game now, 
without the you know without the red line, without the obstruction, without the hooking. Uh, I I really think that that has put players in in uh, difficult positions a lot more than uh, than they used to be. Now you take a look at your career and a couple of other New York baseball icons come to mind. Sandy Koufax and Don Manley are both guys who had injuries that shortened their careers. You throw in Joe Namath in football also with his knees kind of really curtailed his career. Um, you take a look, you know, you walk away from the game at age 30 due to some injuries to your back as such. Um, in fact, you your last season, you're limited to 63 games, and you still manage to score 38 goals. You decide to take that next season off to rest your back, but then officially retire the following season. How tough is it to walk away at 30 years old, having such a great career to that point, and knowing at 30 you still had many good years if it had not been injured in you? Uh, listen, it was, uh, it, was, uh, it, it was tough. To, uh, I guess the toughest part that you know, I'll always talk about and remember was that I, I really didn't leave uh, under under my circumstances, I left because uh, be, because of the injury. So, um, yeah, disappointing to have uh, to have had to uh, bow out of a game uh, that way. And and um, yeah, I you know was was still I feel at the peak of my game uh, back then. Um, but uh, nothing really I can do about it. You know when. Uh, when your body gives out, uh, gives out, your body gives out, and uh, you know, I, I tried for a year to, to rehabilitate, and you know, I uh, again, uh, you know, with the training methods today and, and uh, the, the technology, the, the uh, medical technology that there is today, who knows, uh, you know, having that in place back, uh, you know, uh, 25 years ago, if if that would have made a difference, but. Uh, it, it it is what it is, and uh, it it was what it was, and you know I I uh, I had a successful career both personally and uh, and with the Islanders, and um, I I enjoyed myself immensely uh, throughout my career. So I have I I have no no regrets about anything. You look back on that body of work in those ten seasons, one of which you scored 573 goals, 553 assists in 752 NHL games, all with the Islanders. You hold the current NHL record for most consecutive 50-goal seasons with nine. You average .762 goals per game in the regular season more than any other player in National Hockey League history. You're inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 91. Your number 22 jersey retired by the Islanders in 92. In, 1980, in 1998, you're ranked number 20 in the Hockey News' all-time greatest 100 players. The Four Cups... All of that and so much more. When you look back on your career, what's the one thing you're most proud of? Uh, the, the consistency, um, no doubt. The the nine consecutive fifty plus goal seasons uh, are, uh, as far as I'm concerned, my proudest uh, accomplishment. Uh, as as far as individual success, and and there's no doubt that uh, having been a part and and uh, having having helped the Islanders to win four straight Stanley Cups is uh, is is uh, one of the team accomplishments that uh, I'm most proud of. What surprises me most is that after your retirement, that it took so long for you to get back into the game. For all intents and purposes, you were out of hockey except for a, a short stint as the announcer for the Nordiques. But basically, from ninety 
to 2006, you were pretty much out of the hockey world until on October 13, 2006, the Islanders hold a press conference to announce that you've rejoined the organization. How tough were those 16 years without being part of day-to-day hockey? Uh, they they weren't tough. Uh, I mean, I kept myself busy doing uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff, and I was pretty close to the game. I mean, I did some broadcasting for the Nordiques, but I did a lot of um, a lot of radio uh, back here in Montreal, and 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 some TV, and uh, you know, although it wasn't day to day, it was still uh, keeping me in touch with the game. Um, uh, and you know, I'm. I mean, I'm really. I'm back with the Islanders, but I have nothing to do with the hockey part of the team. I, I work on the corporate side, so um, I mean, it's. It's. Uh, I was. I, I was thrilled. You know that they asked me to come back and and uh, work with the team, and uh, it'll be five years pretty soon. And and uh, I, I enjoy what I do, and and uh, very happy to uh, to to be able to help them in some capacity. As you come back now, you're obviously there with the Islanders during the days, the nights when the Coliseum was packed every night and you couldn't get a ticket to an Islander game. And you come back to an organization or a team that really needs to have, you know, people's success, success uh, and needs to be able to go back and, and try and recreate as best it can the glory days. What's the biggest challenge that you see uh, in terms of getting the fan base or the fan interest, not just from the the hardcore season ticket holders, but the overall on the island, what's the biggest challenge to get back the way it was in the late 70s, early 80s? Well, I, 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 I think, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the thought is, is no different than, than what Charles wants and, and what Garth wants, and that's to get a winning team and, and get a, a, a playoff team and, and uh, you know, Know that uh, you, you know, every night that that you go out and play, that that you have a chance to win. And uh, you know, I I, I really believe that uh, you know the the fan base on Long Island is uh, is is fantastic. Uh, they have been, uh, or they have uh, for uh, for a lot of people forgotten about uh, the Islanders. But um, I'm I'm convinced that once this young team gets back on the road. To, uh, uh, to, uh, to to winning uh, consistently and and uh, is a, a factor in in, uh, in in the league and is one of the top uh, 10 15 teams in the league then uh, the fans will will come back I mean the, the the Islanders you know for the most part have been playing uh, an, an exciting brand of hockey uh, the last uh, three or four years uh, there have been certain circumstances where, uh, you know that hasn't been uh, in anybody's control, uh, especially last year with the injury to Strite and and, and Oposo and having to use six, seven goalies uh, during the same year because of injuries that have uh, that have put the, the team in a precarious position. But um, I I really believe that uh, they have a a great core of uh, of young kids on the team and. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just a matter of time. I think that uh, that you know they can go out there and, and consistently, uh, you know, be a, be a factor in 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 the league. How disappointed were you by the vote this week, uh, turning down the proposal bonds for New Coliseum? I was as disappointed as as anybody in the in the organization. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that uh, we 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 need a new coliseum. Uh, I think Nassau County needs uh, a, a new venue, and and all 
stop calling it an arena. Uh, they they need a they need a new venue where uh, you know the Islanders can play, where uh, concerts can can come and perform, where family shows can come and perform. Uh, it's it's uh, it, it's a need, and 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 I really think that there's there's a place for it on Long Island. I mean, you know, there are three million people who live on Long Island, and. Uh, I, I believe that those three million people uh, d- deserve uh, a professional uh, hockey team. They deserve uh, top-rate entertainment, and uh, they deserve uh, a top-rate, uh, top-rate venue to go and see that entertainment. In. Without asking to disclose anything, you you can't disclose if you know it or don't know. What do you see happening in terms of Charles and uh, and the future of the team on Long Island? Well, you know, Charles Charles came out uh, with with a letter to to the public uh, last week saying that uh, uh, you know he was disappointed and heartbreak heartbroken with the with the with the vote that came out, uh, but uh, you know he was uh, he was going to continue to uh, try and and uh, uh, find a solution to keep the team on Long Island. Um, you know, I've known Charles now uh, fairly closely for the last five years and. I know that his heart is uh, is on Long Island. He's he's a Long Islander. He he wants to. He originally bought the team so that they would stay on Long Island. And uh, you know, he bought the team. He wasn't a hockey fan when he bought the team. He bought it because he wanted to keep the Islanders uh, on Long Island. And um, I'm I'm confident that uh, that that things will happen. Uh, I don't know any more than than. Anybody else, but uh, I know I know Charles wants to keep the team, and he will listen and, and he will try and figure out uh, what what to do in the um, in in the next year, so that uh, you know everyone on, on Long Island has a has a new venue to 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 go see all the entertainment and and the New York Islanders play, and and also to see your number twenty two hanging up on Long Island as opposed to someplace in Quebec or Kansas City. For sure. Oh, that so, would that 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 would be cool. Uh, you know, I mean, I uh, <laughs> I I enjoyed my time with the Islanders. Um, I was uh, I was proud to be an Islander, and uh, proud of everything that we accomplished. And um, uh, of of course, I I don't want to see. Uh, and it's not only my number that's up there. There's uh, you know there's uh, five other guys, uh, you know, and Bill Torrey and and Al Arbor. Uh, so, you know, uh, I I I I just like to see the tradition of uh, of the Islanders continue uh, in a place where it where it began. Absolutely, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure for you to give us so much time tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, like we said. You know, we hope that the Islanders continue someplace on Long Island for sure, and it really would be best if it's right there somewhere. in that area where all that history was made, all those great players and that dynasty, somewhere in that general area. So we really appreciate it, Mike, and best of luck to you. Thank you. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you. All right. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, all right. The great Mike Bossy.